Hey folks, my name is Ike Morgan and we are down in Alabama. Now, we're literally down in Alabama covering as much news as we can from Lookout Mountain to Mobile Bay. And Down in Alabama is also the name of our show. We spend about three to five minutes daily going over a handful of news and culture stories that are a mix of the top stories and maybe the most overlooked stories and sometimes just the most Alabama stories of the day. Now, there's not a strict definition of what the most Alabama stories of the day are, but you know them when you see them. So y'all come on by and give us a listen. And bring a sense of humor because we take the news seriously, but not ourselves. The show is called Down in Alabama, and we're available wherever you listen to your podcasts. For AL.com, I'm Ben Flanagan. This is Outbreak Alabama, stories from a pandemic. As the novel coronavirus wreaks havoc in Alabama and across the world, these are the stories of those seeking to survive the disease and its economic strain. I really hope that once it starts to open back up and we can have these shows again, that everybody's going to kind of come back and have those moments again and have that church for them to be able to come back and have those experiences. Gosh, I think we need it. I really do. Today we hear from Jason Oshwald a Nashville-based concert promoter with Big Spring Entertainment. They own and operate Druid City Music Hall in Tuscaloosa. The venue is located on University Boulevard, better known as the Strip, between downtown Tuscaloosa and the University of Alabama campus, previously occupied by places like the Jupiter Bar and Grill, Varsity Music Hall, the Tide Theater, and the Pitcher Show. It was even a bowling alley many years ago. Druid City Music Hall opened in 2015, Now under new ownership since December 2019, the venue is renovating in hopes of reopening September 1st, 2020. In May, Alabama Governor Kay Ivey announced that restrictions would be lifted on many entertainment venues throughout the state, although they must follow health guidelines. As it has for so many industries, the pandemic has cast much doubt on the concert business and the prospect of many concerts even taking place during 2020. I spoke to Jason Oswald about the future of concert venues like his, what a new normal might look like for his industry, and what the culture is missing without live music during the pandemic. My AL.com colleagues, Mary Calurso and Matt Wake, who cover life and culture in Birmingham and Huntsville, respectively, contributed questions for this interview. How would you describe the last few months for Druid City Music Hall? In May... The governor said that entertainment venues like yours could reopen following state guidelines, and the pandemic hit right before spring break, so the semester was winding down and students would be leaving for the summer. How is that impacting the venue, and has the timing of it been any sort of silver lining? Yeah, so we took over operation of Druid City Music Hall at the beginning of December, and we shut down for December and just sort of cleaned house. Um, got in there, got to know the building, got to know the market a little bit better and kind of hit reset for all the shows we had planned in the spring. And we had a killer lineup coming out in January. You know, Ashley McBride was there, Mitchell Tenpenny, John Langston, Brooke in the Bluff. And we were continuing to uh, book shows through May. And um, as we started kind of following the news, there was confirmed cases in Sacramento and Seattle and it was kind of making its way and the obviously things moved so quickly that ticket sales dropped off precipitously pretty quickly 
And so we had to postpone a lot of shows and reschedule a lot of shows. And um, nobody really knew what was next. Honestly, I think we still don't really know what's next um, and when we can open up. So it it was shocking to say the least, having to reschedule and cancel some of these shows. But all along, we had planned to close sometime in April and begin renovations for the fall. So we knew that we were going to be shut down. We did have to, like I said, reschedule a couple of shows, but we also knew that we were going to be remodeling and renovating and building all summer long. So we're just doing everything we can to get this thing up and going and ready for September 1 is our, hopefully our completion date. And, um, you know, so much has changed in the past three months. I don't know what's going to change in the next three months. If we can operate at 50% capacity, 100% capacity, you know, or people going to have to come in wearing masks or, you know, how do you social distance at a general admission, you know, GA show? There's still a lot of things that we got to work out and communicate with the city and the state and obviously the CDC guidelines and what's coming out nationally. So, I wish I had more concrete and clear answers for you, but we're kind of waiting for direction just like everybody else. In the meantime, we are furiously booking shows for the fall. We want to have an awesome lineup and we want to have some great shows for this new and improved venue. And um, we're just hoping that we won't have to reschedule those too. Well, you said new and improved, and there's a lot that you can't control related to the virus, but what you can control are these renovations. And I know that the venue is undergoing major renovations. So what all does that include? Yeah. So if you or any of the listeners or readers had ever attended a show there, there was a couple of um, things that didn't quite work. For instance, access to the bathrooms when the place was really crowded was kind of a bottleneck and hard to get at backstage area for dressing rooms and green rooms for the artists needed a makeover. The bars took up a lot of room and impacted the overall capacity of the room. So we're moving them around so that we can have a increased capacity and therefore higher caliber, bigger national touring artists can come in. Then there's, there's a couple other things that I think you'll be pretty excited to see um, as the renderings roll out and we start to have more pictures of the actual construction and renovation. So we are trying to sort of future-proof it, I guess, um, not knowing what sort of guidelines are going to be in place as far as cleaning and sanitizing and um, all of that in between shows and during shows. So we've been talking about sanitizing stations throughout the venue and having touchless transactions as far as people buying food and drinks if they, you know, want to have their card just swipe using Apple Pay or something else. So we're considering and thinking about all that and figuring out how to make it a safer um, environment for us and the patrons and artists. Well, and the goal is to reopen the venue by September 1st, when the University of Alabama fall semester will have begun and resumed in-person classes. Does the venue anticipate things going back to normal, or is there an effort to create a new normal to keep the business alive? I know that you just told me that you really have no idea this is something that has fluctuated so rapidly at times that things can change day to day. So what have y'all's conversations been like in terms of how to get things back to normal? 
Yeah, you know, so much of that, I think, is going to depend on the mayor and the governor. And, you know, we're going to have to operate within the same guidelines that the BJCC and the VBC and the amphitheater and Orange Beach and everybody else is operating within. You know, there is an opportunity for us during the renovations to try and make everything as safe as possible and ready for patrons to come back in this new world that we're going to be living in, whatever that looks like, you know, to be determined. But, you know, it's unfortunately we're kind of in a little bit of this wait and see. And we have every hope that when it starts to open back up, when the proper medications, antibodies, vaccines, whatever develop, that there's going to be a a demand for live music. People are going to want to get out. They're going to want to come see shows again. And we're putting a million and a half dollars into this facility. We're doubling down that when it does open up again, that um, the people will come out and they'll enjoy shows in a new, safe, clean environment. At the risk of having you repeat yourself, and I'm sorry for that because I know that so much of this is up in the air and and some of the questions are kind of unanswerable, but I'm just trying to gauge and, and better understand sort of how a business like this works. I'm curious, who's responsible for overseeing whatever guidelines are in place? Yeah, so we have a GM of the venue. We have a director of operations for Big Spring Entertainment that oversees advancing shows and all of the venues that we work with so it's them in conjunction with the leadership of big spring entertainment and talking with the local folks in in tuscaloosa and just trying to put together a plan the other thing about the music industry is like you can't just open doors and people come back there's a long lead time um, because the artists have to put together a tour they have to string all their dates together they have to work with all the venues to get it lined up so when we're talking about trying to do shows in September, we're having to book them, you know, March, April, May, because that's how long out you have to start preparing to get everything on sale and allow the artists and agents to put together the routing and the tours. So a lot of this stuff we were kind of booking and putting together, I don't want to say in a, in a vacuum necessarily, but we were trying to figure out what the world was going to look like, anticipate what it was going to be like when we we're putting these together. And if there's some shows in September that have to get rescheduled for November, December, or maybe even 2021, then that's what we'll have to do depending on what phase of the reopening process the state is in and Tuscaloosa is in. So we are uh, just watching the news, talking with the, local authorities and trying to have everything line up perfectly. We have not announced a lot of our shows yet that we have booked because we're just not sure what's going to happen yet. So we hope that as the summer rolls along and things continue to improve, that we'll be able to start to announce those pretty soon. But, uh, you know, a lot of the artists are waiting too, because they don't know if they want to go out and not every venue is perhaps as, you know, newly renovated, clean, sanitizing stations, all this sort of stuff. So they have to be careful and they have to protect themselves as well beyond just Druid City Music Hall or other venues in Alabama. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier that you're not sure what the capacity will be and what the guidelines will be by the time y'all are ready to open. So how can a business built on packing the house survive at half capacity or quarter capacity and beyond? 
Yeah, so once the renovations are complete, we're thinking the capacity is going to be somewhere close to a thousand. Now, if we have to operate for the fall at 50% capacity, obviously we'll only be able to sell half the tickets that we'd be able to sell otherwise. So some of the artists who are a higher caliber and more expensive national touring artists, you know, that's a conversation we have to go back and have with them and their team and say, look, we still want to have this show, but per state, local, national guidelines, we can only operate at 50%. So let's have a discussion about if we want to do this now, do we want to push it until 2021? And I think that everybody's kind of in the same boat, so to speak. So like the artist managers, the agents, everybody gets what's going on and everybody's being really reasonable and easy to work with because it's just an unprecedented situation that we're dealing with. So, you know, nobody's got that crystal ball. So whether it's an agent that is also handling, you know, Lionel Richie or national touring artist, or it's just someone that's handling regional bands, everybody's been pretty receptive to the, okay, we're going to book this, but we're not quite sure where we're going to be at. So everybody be flexible and let's be reasonable when the time comes for the show and make sure that we can have it and keep everybody safe or let's wait until 2021. So there's also a lot of other bands out there who at 500 tickets sold, everybody is happy at the end of the night. So we've also been focusing a lot on those bands, just knowing that if we have to operate at 50% capacity, it may put us in a different sort of section of artists and bands that we're going to be able to work with for this fall or maybe first quarter next year. And then if things open up completely in 2021, then we'll kind of roll back into those thousand cap type artists. So, you know, do the best you can. What impact do you think smaller capacity shows will have on ticket prices at the venue? Like, if you have to reduce the capacity, does that automatically mean that ticket prices will go up? Yeah, I, that's another conversation. And a lot of the artists that we're working with, they'll say, and us too, say like, look, we want ticket prices at $20. So tell us how many people can fit into the venue, and then we'll figure out the finances based on that. And instead of saying like, well, if you can only fit 500 people in there, then we need to charge $50 a ticket. The artist doesn't want that for their fans. We don't want it for the patrons either. So everybody just kind of has to be a little bit reasonable on their expectations of how much money they could potentially make at the end of the night. So again, I think everybody's being really, really reasonable about it. And if there's some artists who just, you know, their overhead for touring is high enough that they say, look, if we can't do a thousand people, then we're going to have to wait and do the show in 2021. And we say, all right, let's look at next April and see what you have available and talk about that. The goal for us is to not increase the ticket prices from what they would be normally. And we just have to kind of temper our expectations of, you know, how, how everybody's going to financially make this work. And, and it's tough. You know, there may be some shows that or like in break-even situations, just because we we want to have the show, we want to bring the show in, we want to show off the new venue, the artists want to tour and travel. And so everybody's kind of going to be pretty thin 
this fall and maybe early next year until things open up again. But like I said, I think everybody is communicating really, really well throughout the industry and everybody is being really reasonable about what's possible and not possible. It's also, you know, really, I think, brought the industry together a little bit because the the money just isn't there right now. So everybody's trying to kind of figure out how we're going to reopen the music industry this fall, next spring. Yeah. And I want to ask you about any conversations that you've had with artists and their management during all this. Are their guarantees increasing, decreasing? Are they remaining at what they were before coronavirus hit? Are older artists eager or hesitant to book tours or shows right now? What have those conversations been like? You know, it's it's really been on a case-by-case basis with the artist. And um, you never know what's going on in their life. There may be, uh, you know, a guitar player in their band who has a child with a respiratory issue. So they're not going to tour or something. So it's like, yep, fine, get it. We'll see you guys in 2021 and we'll be looking forward to it then. So we really have to um, listen to what they're saying and respect them. You know, some of the older artists, I don't know what they've got going on health-wise. So if they say, we're going to put everything on pause and then roll back out next year, we say, all right, we'll see you next year. And as far as the uh, guarantees fluctuating and there's a a million ways to do a deal. So, you know, if we have to talk to some about, you know, basing their guarantee on how many people attend versus a flat guarantee or something like that, that's a conversation that's being had. Traditionally, artists have had flat guarantees because they have overhead. They've got buses, they've got tour managers, production managers, sound, light guys. There's a lot that travel with them. And so they have to know that they're going to make at least X out on the road for three shows, four shows per week in order to break even. So they're, I think, hesitant to do it, rightfully so, because they don't want to lose money um, being a musician. Um, But the venues don't want to lose money opening up doors and providing that space. So again, there's a, a lot of back and forth of trying to figure out how to make it work for everybody so that the lights stay out and food stays on the table, quite honestly. I know that this is just in general a stressful time for people, but I can imagine with entertainment venues that had to close immediately as soon as this started and there being sort of like an especially uncertain future for that industry. How does a venue protect itself from liability in the COVID era? Will fans need to sign a waiver or anything like that? What what sort of eyes are y'all dotting in that regard? So a lot of this, or what I'm about to say, is just from me listening to podcasts, reading articles throughout the industry, what folks are doing elsewhere, and um, you know what people are doing at stadiums for giant shows and giant football games, and how we're going to have to adapt at our thousand capacity music hall in Tuscaloosa. So, you know, will there be some kind of verbiage when you buy a ticket? on Ticketmaster or, or eTix or one of the ticketing platforms that says like, by purchasing this ticket, you realize there's an inherent risk to some exposure of communicable diseases. And by attending this show, you assume that risk. And, you know, I don't know. It's just like every time you go to the grocery store or do anything, there's some risk of going out that whether it's COVID or the flu or strep throat or whatever, you know, you I got two little kids. Every time we send them to school, (laughs) we know that there may be something that they come back with. So, but we still send them to school and we know that that's 
part of the deal. I think that there's going to be some assumption of risk. Um, we're talking to insurance companies and attorneys about what that is going to look like, but we're going to, I think, probably uh, sort of wait and see what some of the other folks are doing. You know, what? how's the NFL going to do this? How's the NCAA going to handle it? And once they sort of figure it out, I think we'll probably take a lot of our marching orders and precautions from what they're doing um, at the national level with some of these larger organizations. But, you know, there's heard people like, I don't know, half joking about, do we have to screen people as they come in? Are we taking temperatures? What are we doing? Sort of, I equate it to like a post 9-11 scenario when the TSA started becoming more prevalent at airports and now at venues when you have to walk through metal detectors and get scanned and there's going to be some, I think, sort of civil liberties or rights, but in order to attend shows and to be out in public, you're going to have to just be aware that these are the risks um, and this is how it works. But of course, we're going to do everything in our power to mitigate those risks, just like anybody else that operates a venue or arena or stadium. What those protocols will be, we're still working out and we're kind of waiting to see what comes down the pipe from eight national and the the larger venues and corporations that are running multiple arenas or managing multiple stadiums uh, throughout the country and world for that matter. What do you think we've been missing without concerts? And it's obviously necessary to protect people from these large gatherings while we're trying to contain the virus and understand it and, and figure out treatments and a possible vaccine down the road. But Concerts are obviously important to a lot of people in the cultures of their communities. What do you think for these last few months without any concerts, this community and others have been missing? What What is it that people have missed about it? When I graduated from college and went to law school for a little bit and kind of had this moment of like, I don't know if this is what I want to do the rest of my life. What do I love? What do I love waking up and doing every single day? And it, it was always coming back to music and live events and um, that communal experience that people have by attending a show together, sharing those lyrics and singing the songs and how the lyrics and the music affect them. And, you know, that was always kind of like a, you know, a church for me. It was a very communal experience of going with my friends. And I think that People are in this quarantine right now. It's just hard emotionally, psychologically to not be able to get together with people. We're social beings. We want to have these shared and common experiences and talk about it and feel those feelings. And without it, I think it's hard emotionally for everybody. So I, I personally can't wait for things to open back up, to be able to go to those shows and to hear those songs that I can listen to on Spotify or download or on vinyl or whatever and I can crank it up and put the headphones on and really get lost in a new album or song but to be there with the artist and to feel that music and to be surrounded by your friends and oh, it's I don't know I think it, it's really hurting people and you know any sort of communal experience like that whether it's going to church or just getting together with friends in the backyard, building those communities. Uh, it's just, it's rough. It's really rough for everyone, I think. So I really hope that once it starts to open back up and we can have these shows again, that everybody's going to kind of come back and have that, have that, those moments again and have that church for them to 
be able to come back and have those experiences. Gosh, I think we need it. I really do. Jason, thank you so much. Best of luck to you and take care. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. Special thanks to Mary Calurso and Matt Wake. If you or anyone you know is affected by coronavirus and want to share your story, please email bflanagan at al.com. That's B-F-L-A-N-A-G-A-N at al.com. For all of our coverage on the outbreak and how it continues to impact Alabama, visit al.com slash coronavirus. If you like the show, please rate us and write a review. Thanks for listening.